0: We've been hearing a lot about Airbnb and stays and all the other short-term holiday letting platforms. And finally, the government has come out with its proposals for the regulations to cover them. I'm here with Jane Hearn, who's a lawyer and the deputy chair of the Owners Corporation Network, who've been all over this issue. They got us the legislation that we have, which is not great, but it's the best in Australia. I'm Jimmy Thompson. This is the Flat Chat Wrap.
1: Hello, Jane. Hi, Jimmy.
0: So the three things that have come out in in the proposal and up for discussion are the register, the code of conduct, and fire safety. But you are really focused much deeper than that. And that's mm. on the planning laws that came in are already there. They just haven't been activated yet. So what are, what are your concerns?
1: Um, well, let's um, just backtrack a little bit to explain um, what's happened is, sorry, the bylaw power has actually already been passed and is sitting on the statute book. That will allow people to prohibit short-term letting uh, in their residential apartment block by non-resident owners.
0: Can they do that now?
1: Uh, yes, they can. But on the planning law of things, which is a really important part of this story, we are really facing quite radical change. In fact, it's it really is radical change. It's not an objective of strata housing in New South Wales to um, <clears throat> further the tourist economy of mm. New South Wales. That's mm. actually an objective in Queensland, but not in New South Wales. So the planning laws that they're proposing um, is to... Uh, make short-term letting in all residential dwellings, including residential apartment blocks, to be classified as what's called an exempt development. And that simply means that you don't have to have a development consent to do it. Now, traditionally, um, we say that unhosted short-term letting is no different to any other type of service department. And that the reason we have strategic planning in New South Wales is to separate incompatible uses. So I just want to lay that out at the beginning as the starting point because that will give you, I think, a sense of just how radical this change is. Essentially, what we're saying, what they're saying is that you can have a residential apartment block in a residential zone, the DA says a residential use, service departments will be prohibited in that zone. But with a stroke of a pen, otherwise known as a state environment planning policy, which is executive, right. not parliamentary, that protection has been stripped away so that a person could use the apartment, I could use my apartment, uh, for unhosted short-term letting. One of the limits to try and contain this so that it doesn't become commercial is to use what we call day caps and they're used around the world. Yeah, Most jurisdictions will have a day cap of around 60 or 90 days.
0: So that's the maximum number of nights yes. That the property can be let to holiday lets. Yes. Right. That's
1: right. And the purpose of the day caps or night caps yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is to act as an economic lever, to try and contain the use of residential dwellings for short term letting to what you might call genuine home sharing. Yeah. So of course what's happened and I think we're all it's this is abundantly clear now around the world that what is promoted is home sharing. So it might be you and I go away, you know, you might go away for a six-week holiday and decide to let your apartment while you're away. Or you might have somebody come to stay, you know, three or four nights a month. That's home sharing. What we have now, and New South Wales is, I think, illustrating this very clearly, is huge commercial pressure on the residential sector to give them access to housing stock, which is our homes, yep. so that they can run short term letting businesses from our residential apartment blocks. That's yep. it in a nutshell. The 180 days is very generous, it's excessive, um, it's one of the most generous in the world. And now that we've read the new, the proposed planning instrument, we find that there's already a loophole. And this is a direct result of pushback from the industry. So 180, and this is not explained in the discussion paper. And if you don't know planning law, it will not be clear from the instrument. But essentially it's this, short-term letting for 180 days will be exempt. But that doesn't stop you from going to council and getting approval to do more than 180 days of unhosted short-term letting. Uh, You can do that with development consent. But there's also another loophole where you might even be able to manage your business full-time without having to go to council. And that's what we're calling the 21-day le- let-, let loophole, right. which is completely new. We hadn't seen it before. It was It's the result of lobbying, obviously, in the last 12 months. So the draft state environment policy introduces this completely new category of unhosted short-term letting that evades the 180-day cap completely. These types of lets, which are 21 days consecutive or more, will not be subject to the 180 day cap. Right. So if I'm a landlord, let's say I'm a landlord and I've got two or three apartments, Kuji and Bondi, yep. I can run my business as a combination of short term and medium term letting. I can do that in a block that doesn't have a bylaw. It's got a bylaw I can't, but if, right. it's, if I'm in a block where there are other investors, they probably won't have a bylaw. I will be able to do that essentially. Well, I don't think it would be difficult to see that you could be running that for an entire year with no need to have development consent.
0: Presumably there are councils who would be quite favourable to unlimited short-term letting
1: because they're
0: interested in revenue and the rest of it. But talking about briefly, if I may, on bylaws, two things, should anybody who doesn't want short-term letting in their building get their bylaw in place now yes yes okay.
1: absolutely she, she
0: said that without, <clears throat> i had barely finished the sentence <laughs> i hadn't got to the question mark <laughs> and jane says yes. yes
1: lots of um schemes in fact have had a bylaw on short-term letting for a very long time because it's consistent with the planning laws that they've been operating under and they've all and if there's been enough if there's nothing in the local environment plan They've brought in their bylaw yeah. um, to to stop it from taking hold. Because one of the things that people find is that once it takes hold, it's very, very difficult to get rid of. Right. And yes. so, so that is a th- real threat for new residential strata schemes yes. um, that don't have a settled residential culture and where a developer wants to sell to commercial interests right. and actually... You know, they use this as a bit of a selling point that people have got a lot of flexibility right. now in the way they can use their apartments. Because
0: it's the ratchet effect of the, the 25%. You know, it, That's right. It takes you 75% of the vote at a meeting to bring the bylaw in, mm. which means it only takes 25% of owners to prevent the bylaw. coming
1: in and that's why um although we are you know ocn i think ran a really hard campaign called our strata our choice yeah and uh if you recall some of the history of this there was a last minute backbench or party room revolt yes (laughs) i recall it very well cabinet had to go back and look at it again yes um so the bylaw that uh we achieved was really at the last moment yeah but what they did was they gave it to us, but only on the basis that it's uh, the vote is the, the normal section five special resolution. Yes. What we said, in fact, and what we've said repeatedly, is that this is like a change of use. Yeah. And uh, and certainly people have different views about that, but this is like a change. This is a change of use. The default should be no short term letting. Unless seventy-five percent vote yeah. in favour of it, like Strata Renewal, yes, you know, because it's a very significant change in use yeah. and it has big impacts on the people who live there. Absolutely, one of the impacts that it has, of course, for the buildings that are most affected, is that with the bylaw power that uh, the clarification about the bylaw power that we now have, a lot of the most Vulnerable residents and people in some of the worst affected buildings that already have entrenched illegal short-term letting yes. that will effectively be legalised once this planning instrument comes in, those residents will never get that bylaw because they'll never have the numbers to do it. Yeah. So this is a devastating, absolutely devastating outcome for those people. And just on that, another thing which is not clear in the discussion paper, um. It doesn't explain to people clearly, I think, that even if you're, say you're in the CBD, you're in a mixed use or a commercial zone, but you're in a residential building, you have a DA and you have consent conditions that explicitly say no lets less than three months. Right. So the planning law advice to us is that the effect of the exempt development instrument is that those conditions are effectively null and void. Oh, wow. So that none of those buildings have been saved, if you like. Yeah. Now the reason they had those conditions in the first place was to protect them precisely from this problem. Yes. Um. But you know those were in the days when we uh, respected that we had probably the best one of the best planning law systems in the world, mm. where we did do strategic planning and separate these incompatible uses. Airbnb comes in, scales up, bulldozes through the planning law and convinces regulators that effectively there's nothing they can do about it. So those people that have suffered because their local council will not enforce the DA now, I think, have truly been abandoned by the state government.
0: Yeah, somebody in your building is moving furniture (laughs) around. This is there we go there we this go. is one of the problems that's of the living joy. in apartments that's yeah The, joy. yeah. the, the joys joy. of apartment yes. living now and the well, other thing i wanted to say is that um ocn and that's uh, you'll find ocn at ocn.org.au ocn actually has an off the peg bylaw yes for short-term letting
1: we do um the basically the only protection that the residential schemes are going to have is that bylaw. planning right. law is I think just not going to save them. yeah so this is why we thought it was just it was so important. Yeah. and so what we've done is earlier this year we hired a very experienced strata lawyer who has experience in this particular issue in CBD buildings who has drafted a very comprehensive bylaw for us yeah. which is focused explicitly on the prohibition for non-resident owners right so so it will implement the new section 137a yeah. of the Strata schemes management act yeah. which has passed through parliament it hasn't yet commenced yeah but schemes are buying it and putting it in place right and they're also of course those that have already got their bylaw are basically just holding on to the bylaw they've yeah. got
0: i mean some of the bylaws i mean there's that f- quite notorious case i think in Uh, Wulara, Hmm. where um, the teacher took her her building Hmm. bylaw to be, Hmm. and and NCAT said that it was unfair and blah, blah, blah. But that bylaw, I believe, was quite very complicated and specific and and actually fell foul of of the, the part of strata law that says you can't interfere with dealing Ah uh-huh, yes, yes. Whereas yeah. if it had been a simpler mm. bylaw, mm. it wouldn't have fallen or might not have. You can never tell with the tribunal.
1: I, I didn't see the bylaw, but I did see the one and a half page decision. And I have to say it's embarrassing that the tribunal would produce such a poorly reasoned decision. And it was extremely disappointing that the scheme felt that they were unable or didn't wish to appeal it. Yeah. I think partly because they knew that state government was actually working on Um, some clarification about the regulatory framework. Um, In most schemes, their bylaws rely on the existing planning law uh, because the planning law actually currently protects them. So so that you have a kind of a, a symmetry between the bylaw and the planning law once this new state environment policy comes in of course those bylaws will need to be changed right and they'll need to explicitly implement or amend a bylaw that is specific to the new section 137a provision um, which um, it only allows a scheme to prevent a non-resident owner from converting to short-term letting. it doesn't allow the owners corporation even in fact, if the majority of the owners agree, it doesn't allow them to um, stop a permanent resident from conducting short term letting right. in their apartment. So it's kind of half the. As long as the permanent yeah. resident is there? Well, I think that's a very interesting question, and I think the whole issue about what constitutes a principal place of residence is a whole area of property law that we have not had a very clear analysis or guidance from the Office of Fair Trading. Now that we see the 21-day loophole, as I'm calling it, you really have to question if that's not going to count towards the 180 days, how much much unhosted short-term letting can I do before the council or the Office of Fair Trading or the Department of Planning decides that i'm in fact not a not this is not my principal place of residence but
0: and the other thing is that it's up to the owners in that building to prosecute the case there are no strata cops coming around checking up on on (laughs) or you you'd say you're doing hosted (laughs) short-term letting here but you're not in the building it's and that becomes a whole issue of privacy and and people basically spying on their neighbours.
1: Well, that's um, 180 days unhosted and an unlimited amount of 21-day-plus lets yep. unhosted. So I don't actually have to be here. So one of the things that's been lacking all the way through this is there's been no analysis about how this interacts with the New South Wales Strata Skin's Management Act, which is a model which is purely based on long-term residential living. So there are lots of elements to that model about governance, about notice, about the strata role, um, a whole lot of things that don't fit with short-term letting because that's not what it was designed for.
0: And that's not what the apartments were designed for.
1: And it's not what the apartments were designed for at all, no. So
0: what else have you got in the planning
1: field uh well i think that you know the conclusion that we've come to at this point is that we really need to see if this is going to proceed it really should be at the very least a complying development not exempt hmm. and the reason for that is that in addition to the issues and problems with the cap one of the things that has been done is the um, quite strong fire standards which are extremely important as you know Uh, I mean, not just in regular houses, but particularly important in high-rise buildings because the threat to life from fire is so much greater. And also we know, and it's well accepted, uh, it's part of planning in fact, that you need to put in extra safety measures when you have short-term letting because it massively increases the risk.
0: Okay, we're gonna take a tiny little break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about those fire safety regulations, which have been proposed. Okay. So we're back. We've, we've we've covered all the planning stuff. That's all sorted. That'll be fixed. Somebody in government will listen to this podcast and go, "Oh, we've made a terrible mistake," and uh, they'll fix things. Jane looks like she's trying to reach for something. Are you okay? You've got your. I'm fine. This, I don't have the this... fire
1: safety standards in front of me. But okay, I have them in my head. Oh,
0: good. Right, That's good. you can correct me, you can quiz <laughs> me on this. So one of the documents that came out for a discussion is fire safety and this has been, it looks like the, the fireys, their paw prints are all over this. Mm. You need a smoke alarm in every bedroom, you need a smoke alarm in every corridor leading to a bedroom, you need a heat sensor in your kitchen, you need uh, emergency lighting connected to the smoke alarms that shows the way out of the apartment. and. Every bedroom door should have a sign or a map on it showing you how to get out of the apartment and how to get out of the building. I think that pretty much covers it. Oh, and all those smoke alarms and and heat sensors have to be integrated together. Mm. Right. Yes. This sounds like it could be quite expensive.
1: I think it probably is. I and mean, the um, it, the issue of fire is extremely important. And you know, we should all remember the lacrosse fire, the, near, Bankstown. the Bankstown fire where Connie Zhang very sadly lost her life. Yep. Um very sad lacrosse fire, of course, was um somebody on a temporary visa smoking on the balcony. <laughs> yeah. I think the Connie Zhang fire in Bankstown was somebody leaving a cigarette on the air conditioning unit. Yeah. Uh which caused uh, with terrible consequences. The Neo 2005 that was another smoker yeah, that's right that, so
0: yeah if you want it you don't have to remove flammable cladding from buildings just remove smokers that's right and that will that's solve right. the problem. that will
1: help it will certainly help but smoking on balconies smoking in bedrooms um smoking generally for people who don't live in residential strata there's a real serious lack of understanding yeah. about the nature of the risk there are hundreds of buildings with flammable cladding Um, the um, I mean the issue is not just flammable cladding uh, obviously that just accelerates and increases the level of risk so having mandatory fire um, standards um, and they are mandatory and there are penalties that apply is extremely important and we support them 100%
0: now just imagine and I know this is a stretch of the imagination that these fire regulations will go through without a certain large global company based in San Francisco, um, making sure that they don't go through in their current form. Is this... Oh, we get hammering now. This is fantastic. <laughs> so you got got the, the San Francisco company who are going to try and moderate this. But let's assume that they go through and the Airbnb host finds there's a bill for several hundred, if not thousand dollars to fit all these alarms and these guides on the back of the bedroom door and all that stuff. Does this mean that a lot of people will be put off from even entering the market or they'll just go underground?
1: Well, I think that people who want to do the right thing and who then, you know, come to awareness that actually they do have responsibilities towards their guests but also towards other residents in the building and that yeah. what they're doing. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a risk to their own property as well. Yeah. You know, it's a risk to them. They may well just decide that actually it's just too much hassle and that maybe this is a industry, quote unquote, that they don't really want to be part of. They thought it was a good idea, Yeah. but actually it's not that great.
0: Yeah, I mean, because the whole Airbnb thing, happen because people might have thought it might be nice to let our apartment yeah, for a couple right. of months exactly but it's too much hassle yeah and then all you have to do is take a few pictures stick them online and mm. you're in business so, i think
1: it's a very mixed story and there's a lot more to it than people realize yeah and i think that actually a lot of landlords who have had long-term tenants also find that multiple transactions is you know it's not all it's cracked up to be in there it's quite expensive Run, there is a temptation, and I think you know, one of the issues about the lack of monitoring and being able to enforce compliance is that if you have people doing this and breaching those fire safety standards, then they are putting their guests and everybody else at risk. Yeah, and there are significant penalties, and there are significant penalties because it's important. Yeah, so right at the you know, there's one of those fundamental system design questions is how do we make sure? that hosts comply with those standards yeah. and that's why we say it should be a complying development not an exempt development because yeah. that is the only way that you'll either have a local council officer or a private certifier inspecting the apartment to make sure. Anna
0: and what's the inspection rules I mean the fire inspectors can force owners' corporations to allow them access to apartments unless the people who own the apartments or the residents of the apartments say, we don't want you to come in, and then... The owners' corporation is absolved of all responsibility, but where does the responsibility then lie?
1: Well, that's a good question. I think this is probably one of the many unanswered questions. And in fact, as people read the package, um, they have there's lots of unresolved issues. Yeah. The discussion paper doesn't offer people answers to those sorts of things. It, it's quite a passive, quite weak, I think. Yeah. Series of questions without a lot of information to help yeah. people form an opinion or even shape their responses in any really detailed way. The issue for the owners' corporation is that it can't carry out those inspections. Right. So there's a few issues there. One, we don't know, the owners' corporation wouldn't know whether the Airbnb hosts, whether they're the private individual or an agent, is actually complying. They don't know if the work's been done and whether it's up to standard. They don't know whether it interferes with the building's own embedded fire safety system. Outdoors, yeah. There are a lot of potential issues there. There needs to be a clear way forward. There are already provisions in the EPA that allow an owner to install smoke alarms in their own apartment without having to get permission first. Yeah. That was done, I'm sure, for very good reasons, but I am absolutely confident that it was done without ever envisaging the kind of safety system that is envisaged by this standard for this purpose.
0: One of the things that occurs to me is that these people who are basically head tenants, so they rent a number of of properties and then let them out as uh, Airbnb or or stays or whatever properties. This whole fire safety thing is bound to They can't just come in and start installing smoke alarms. Well, they shouldn't.
1: Well, how would we know? I mean, I think that that's a really interesting and a good point because I sat on the Code Advisory Committee and uh, there was certainly um, advocacy for tenants to be permitted to do this without having the permission of the landlord. And I was at pains to try and explain to people that we're not just talking about an ordinary residential tenant. Most agents wouldn't know if you and I had one, two or ten residential tenancy agreements They basically have no way of finding out, and they were quite shocked to find uh, one building manager I know who manages several buildings, um, became aware that there was the same residential tenant in several of those buildings, and turned out to have a residential agreement for 12 separate lots across three buildings.
0: (laughs) I mean, there is an aspect of strata law that says that a change of tenancy in the building must be uh, notified to to the owners' corporation.
1: Section 258, in fact, has a positive duty imposed on the owner and on an agent to provide notice of a change in occupancy and the details of the tenant within 14 days of the tenancy commencing. That's a perfect example of how the New South Wales Strata Schemes Management Act is designed for normal residential living right. and not for short-term letting. And that's one of the unresolved issues. The secretaries have of the strata schemes have... A strict obligation to maintain the strata role. Yeah. The strata role serves a number of functions, yeah. and we have knowledge of who is in occupation of the building for very good reasons. Yeah. It's not just the service of documents, yeah. uh, it could be for a range of reasons, including emergencies, um, etc. So, there is a question about um, whether or not an owner's corporation will, in fact, be notified when there's a change of short term let tenancy. They are, in fact, tenants under the law under the common law yeah so section 258 actually does apply and
0: it's something like a is it 200 hundred dollar fine every time you fail? i think it's I think more it's,
1: oh i think it's more than that oh, i think it's more good. than that yes well yes
0: we've discussed at length the the different kinds of um this is off air we discussed at length the different kinds of chairpersons you have in a building but uh, i think if you've got somebody who is obsessively neurotically checking that every bylaw is being adhered to Maybe this is That's, their their time has come. I'm moving in with him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the fire regulations look; they seem quite almost draconian, but perfectly sensible, uh, given that yes. you know your 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 holiday let people. Mm. A, they're in holiday mode, so mm. they're not generally taking care of things the same way. Mm. And the other thing is that they're they don't know the the layout. Of the apartment?
1: No, um, I think that's really important. but I mean, people in a panicked, more stressed situation, yep. even if you're familiar with your environment, um can get very disoriented very quickly yep. and the, you know they they don't have the benefit of practice drills which most residents in fact do they'll yep. know where the exits are they will have done a number of evacuation drills yep. over the period of time they've lived in a building and um i think we know i mean we all travel you know we're all yep. tourists and we're all visitors and we all know that in an unfamiliar environment we are slower
0: well it's just that thing if you go into a new apartment other one mm-hmm. you haven't and you visit somebody and it's time to go home and you get to the entrance hallway and you go is it left or right
1: and i think too that the standards of fire safety have been rising as our knowledge improves the the way buildings are constructed um is different yeah there's less emphasis on passive fire safety measures like you know nice thick walls yeah more emphasis on wet uh, fire safety yeah. systems like yeah. sprinklers which are necessary because the kind of materials, furniture, everything we have in modern homes is far more toxic. The period of time from uh, for the ignition of a fire for you to escape is gone down to something like three minutes from, I think it was 28 or 30 minutes. Wow. That was the evidence that a fire expert gave to the parliamentary inquiry on building defects. So that's um, the
0: amount of time you've your got to get time. out of a building safely out so. of your
1: apartment right the point is that modern buildings they use materials that are far more toxic you yep. have much less time to get out of a modern building than you do an older one having said that a lot of the old residential blocks around sydney the fire safety standards that were in place when they were built yep. are significantly lower than what we try to have in place now and the question is how well have they been maintained it's going to be tough yeah it's I,
0: a great it's a great opportunity to make sure the building is safe for holiday lets and and for everybody else yes, in, in I the think building that's right. but i think there's going to be a fight on that
1: well it'll be interesting to see because i think it'll be very difficult for industry to oppose things um measures that keep their guests their customers safe yeah. um i mean that would be a very telling uh indictment on them if they oppose fire safety standards
0: I've been talking to Jane Hearn, Deputy Chair of the Owners Corporation Network, who has a very interesting perspective on the whole Airbnb regulations and the discussion and debate about them. If you want to make your views heard, you can go to the Planning New South Wales website and make a submission before September 11. Uh, We're going to pick up again next week with Jane. As part of our podcast next week, we'll be talking about the register. Who's going to run it? Who's going to be on it? What difference will it make? Now, if you enjoy these podcasts, and I hope you do, or you wouldn't still be listening, please subscribe through whatever method you get them. There's all sorts of things listed on the Flat Chat website. If you want to know more about apartment living come to flat-chat.com.au. There's all sorts of things there. There's a forum. There's stories. It's very lively. We keep it going every week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm Jimmy Thompson. Talk to you next week.